So a couple years ago, I worked at a retail store within a shopping center where we would get a lot of strange, creepy, and harassing customers. I don't know what it was about this particular store. Maybe it was the fact that only one person worked at a time, so you'd be alone in a teeny store, and they felt like they could be as creepy as they wanted since no one was around. Flashing workers, etc. Whatever the reason, we had a lot of harassment incidents and would be consistently calling the security. Security at this place kind of sucked, so sometimes they just wouldn't even show up, and you'd be stuck on your own trying to get rid of this person. Out of all the incidents, there's one that especially sticks out. One day, while I was on shift, a customer came in asking to look at shoes. He was this older dude, pretty inconspicuous. I said sure and started to walk out from behind the counter to take him to the shoe area. When he stopped me and went, wait, what's your name? I told him my name. From there, he keeps asking me more questions about myself. At this point, I just thought he was a chatty customer and didn't think too much of it. However, this went on for about 20 minutes and by then, he was asking me about my favorite music and what I like to do on my spare time and if I had a boyfriend. So at that point, I realized he wasn't just being friendly. I kept trying to bring the conversation back to the shoes he wanted, but he wouldn't budge. Eventually, he asked me for my number and I told him that I wasn't interested. This is when I first started to get uncomfortable because he wouldn't take no for an answer. I tried the classics, not interested, we can't give out our numbers to customers, etc. But he told me over and over again that he wouldn't leave until he got it. Now, I regret this next part, but in my defense, at this point, I was starting to feel intimidated and didn't have anywhere to go since I was trapped in this tiny store with this guy and security was nowhere to be found. So I said, if I give you my number, will you leave and let me do my job? And he said he would. So I gave him my real number since he said he was going to call right away to check to make sure I gave him my actual number. My thought process was that if he texted me, I'd just tell him again that I wasn't interested. And if he persisted, I could just block him. This isn't what ended up happening. He didn't text that night and I was relieved assuming maybe he'd just given up or that he finally had taken a hint. However, the next morning I was preparing the till and setting up things inside the store before opening. I looked through the window and next to her closed store door, I saw him standing there. This was about 20 minutes before opening time. From that point onwards, he would show up at the store every day at opening and would try to talk to me. Each day, I'd tell him I'm not interested and that he needed to leave. And each day, he would say the same thing along the lines of, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. I promise I won't show up here again. But he would. He also eventually started texting me every day multiple times. Things like, I know you're not interested, but you need to know how special you are to me. Mind you, at this point, we already had that one 20-minute conversation and following that, just me constantly telling him to leave the store and stop contacting me. On the days that he would show up to the store when I wasn't working, he'd go in and ask my coworkers when I would be working next. And they would make something up about how I was on a holiday or I wasn't coming back for a while. However, he'd still show up the next day just to make sure and would find me working at the store. Him showing up at the store was a daily occurrence and the texts got more and more frequent. 
and intense. He'd talk about how he could never leave me and how no matter what, he'd be in my life forever. I should have just blocked him, but since he knew where I worked, I was scared of how he might react if I did. Security at the store said that they couldn't do anything if he hadn't actually done anything physical to harm anyone, and so I just started avoiding going to work. I'd roster off as much as I could, and I would not take any extra shifts that popped up even if I needed them. It all eventually came to a halt when one of my coworkers got angry at me and said that because of me, she was now scared to come to work. Because what if this guy was violent and crazy and hurt someone? She gave the manager an ultimatum. She was friends with the manager and basically stated that unless I somehow got rid of him, she would stop working at the store. Being blamed for the situation in combination with the consistent stress of this guy not leaving me alone was a lot and I decided to try one last thing. I, for the first time, responded to one of his texts and basically told him that I would be filling out a police report and giving him all his texts and security footage from the store. The cameras at our store were fake, there was no footage, but he didn't need to know that. I told him that if he ever contacted me again, I would press charges against him. Now I'm pretty sure that there's nothing I could oppress charges for, but again, he didn't need to know that. After that message was seen, I blocked him so he couldn't respond. He never showed up to the store again, but I did see him around now and again, just lurking in the area outside. Even now working at a different store within that same shopping center, I've seen him lurking, but he's never actually tried talking to me. I know I could have handled this situation a whole lot better, and I probably made a lot of silly mistakes along the way. But I'm glad that I was able to mostly get rid of him, even if I'm still looking over my shoulder to an extent. Edit. Where I live for stalking or harassment charges, proof of their intention to cause or threaten injury or harm is required. Law enforcement will often throw up their hands with cases where there's been no direct verbal or written threat, which is why I didn't originally go to the police and instead just threatened to. Definitely not the greatest idea on my part, but that threat was one or two years ago, and hindsight is 2020. This is something I've never shared on the internet. So I went to a 5 star hotel in Greece for a work experience that my high school planned for us when we were 17. I was just working, partying, and overall doing my thing. Everything was going great until my manager, who was in his late 40s, started being more and more inappropriate. He started following me to the beach, clubs, constantly checking on me, moving closer and closer. By the way, he had a pregnant wife at the time. One day, there were some papers we needed to sign, so he called everyone in, two people at a time. Well, he arranged it in a way that I would be the last and go in by myself. Everyone was looking at me weird and kind of concerned since they knew the situation. I reluctantly went into his office. Yep, he locked the door, rolled down the blinds and sat down, then told me to undress. I just laughed nervously and told him no. Then he started to get more and more pushy and was like, okay, then just one clothing item. So I took off my apron and threw it at his face, which honestly could have gone really bad too. But he just started laughing, said okay, then let me out. I was very lucky nothing else happened. I wanted to report him, but unfortunately, it turned out that I wasn't the only one being pressured into things like these, and the management and hotel were all good friends. 
There was another girl in a similar situation who reported this guy and no one took her seriously and after that she was given the shittiest task to do and received unfair treatment. One night a few months ago, I went on a door dash when my boyfriend and my youngest sister tagged along with us. We delivered some food to this really large home that basically looked abandoned and was pitch black. We left it at the door, but we all noted that something felt strange. As we were pulling out of the driveway, this older woman, probably 60s, wearing a robe, looks out the window of the door where we left the food and then comes outside through a different side door and starts walking down the driveway while motioning for me to come back. So I pull back up, thinking maybe I had the wrong house or something. She walks over to my car and gets really close, like she's touching my car and the driver's side mirror with her body. And mind you, that COVID is really bad in my state, so I definitely didn't feel comfortable with a stranger being that close to me. She had this terrifying look on her face with blank eyes that I can't seem to forget. She says in a slow, creepy voice, Aren't you going to come inside with us? I was trying to be nice and was like, No, ma'am. We left your food on your doorstep for you, though. She got really insistent about us coming inside and asked again with a smile. I declined once again, and thankfully, she took a step back from the car, and I was able to quickly back up without running over her feet, and we got the hell out of there. She stood there smiling and staring the whole time we backed out of the way too long driveway. I have no clue what that was all about, but I always get really hesitant anytime I have to deliver orders to anyone named Melissa now. I used to work at a Southern California ski resort called Mountain High as a snowmaker. One day, there wasn't much work, so they had us do whatever we could to stay busy. When all of a sudden we hear on the radio that there's possibly a dead person in a car. So me and my friend, along with other people that worked there, ran into the parking lot to see if there was really a dead person in their car. As soon as we got there, there was this man who looked in his 20s, possibly Middle Eastern, slumped over against his driver's side door with his hand still on the wheel and the car still on. The ski patrol somehow got his door open and had to try to pry his fingers off the steering wheel as rigor mortis had already set in. His body was stiff as a board as his arms were still in the driving position while he was put on a stretcher. His upper lip was curled exposing his upper teeth which looked super disturbing and creepy. As soon as they pulled him out he shit and pissed everywhere and they took him to the ski patrol room and the ski patrol took turns giving him CPR but they couldn't save him as he was way too dead. They basically just did it for the family because they begged them. The most disturbing part is that the family of the man was right there as all of this happened, screaming and crying and praying out loud that he would be okay, even though he was obviously dead. It turns out the man had diabetes and went snowboarding with his friends the night before and said that he didn't feel good and went to his car alone but didn't have his insulin and passed out, dying overnight with the heater on, and for some reason his friends didn't care to look for him. After this incident, the man's body was put in the generator room overnight since the ambulance for some reason couldn't make it out there. Now whenever I see someone asleep in their car, I always think about that dead man.
Let me start by saying I'm a 14-year-old male student from England. This happened to me a while back in September of 2020. I had been directly acquainted with a girl called Olivia since the end of primary school. She was not a good-looking girl by any means. At the time this happened, she was really overweight, which will come into play later. Around 5'5", five five, and she had a really horrible sense of humor. Basically the opposite of me. One day, on the first week back after UK's first lockdown, she started following me on Instagram. Of course, I didn't find it abnormal at the time, but that was the start of a really strange, creepy ordeal. She would send me DMs most days, asking how I was, what I was doing, that sort of thing. It went on like this for 10 days, and while I didn't find it too creepy at the time, I had no idea how much worse it would get. After a while, she would constantly DM me, at least 10 times every few hours. She would start by saying how cool I was, which struck me as weird, as I was pretty much the definition of a nerd, and still am today, and how I was perfect. She would constantly remind me that she had dreams of me every night, and she wants to run away with me. That was when something finally clicked in my brain. I realized how strange this was getting, and I blocked her. For a few days that worked, before she made a new account. At the time, it was the same as the last time. Just the same odd messages about her loving me, but then it changed. It changed to her going on rants about how nobody liked her. Gee, I wonder why. And how she was going crazy without me. The weirdest was when she messaged me talking about how she was stress eating everything she could find because she was going crazy over love. This was getting too much now. I told my parents, who told me to put my Instagram account in private and tell them if anything else happened. Strangely enough, this worked. She had completely stopped everything. The creepy DMs, the new accounts, everything. Fast forward a month or so to the middle of the night I was going up a hill I live on to a supermarket to get some things for Halloween when I saw a girl around my age crossing the street towards me. I looked at her for a second before realizing that through the hood over her head, it was Olivia. I had been homeschooled by a private tutor for the last month to avoid her, so I was surprised when I saw it was her, but I did. Instincts kicked in and I began running up the hill. I heard her mumble, oh shit before attempting to run after me. I might have been a nerd, but I was in good shape at the time, so I was able to get to the supermarket at least 30 seconds before her. I immediately went to an employee, who thankfully stepped in before she got there. She was out of breath. The employee grabbed her and went to a phone. He called the police and told them my story, mentioning that there was a knife in her pocket, which I never saw. During this time, she stared straight at me, I could clearly see that she had gone mad. She had clearly stuck to her word of eating everything she could find, as she had gained at least three stones, about 40 pounds. Her hair was longer and messier. Her clothes were tiny, so you could see the bottom of her belly sticking out of her hoodie, and she had a crazed, deranged look in her eyes. When the police came to take her away, she stared straight in my face and said one of the most haunting things of my life. Just so you know, I never loved you. You're lucky I'm so fat, because if I wasn't, I would have caught you and slit your fucking throat. Thank God that was the last time I ever saw her. I started going back to school, and my life slowly went back to normal. 
So if you learn anything from my story, let it be this. Never judge a book by their cover, because you never know if they will be a crazy psycho. So this story happened to me about two years ago. For a little background, I have autism, and when I turned 18, my mom said that she couldn't take care of me anymore, and sent me to a sort of a group home for people with autism. It was a teeny one-story bedroom with eight apartments, each for one person. My first day there, it was pretty clear that I was one of the high-functioning people there, and it seemed like I was the youngest too. My mom stayed with me for the first night to help me get settled in, and two guys that lived there kept walking up to my door, just looking. Me being used to being around socially awkward people, like myself, I didn't really think much of it, although I really hated the attention. I didn't want to talk to them, and after about two hours, they gave up. My mom said that they were sweet and curious as to who was moving in, but I wasn't in the mood to socialize. Fast forward to me living there for a couple weeks. I'm sitting in my very tiny living room watching TV when I see a shadow outside my window. My window was placed beside the main entrance so I could always hear and see people walking by. My blinds were on though, but I could still see shadows since the main entrance had lights on all night. So I started looking away from the TV, just looking at the shadow by the window. There was a person that stood there for about five minutes, then walked away, or so I thought. Then I saw a shadow sort of duck behind the wall, but still trying to look through my window. And that's when I got really freaked out. The next day, I told people working in the group home, and they're like, Oh, it's probably just Eric. He does that sometimes. I'm sort of like, what? And said, Well, I'd appreciate it if he didn't, because it freaks me out. They said something along the lines of that they would talk to him. Fast forward again, and I had been there for months. It was a daily occurrence to have this Eric guy walk past my front door and window at least 40 times a day, walking past four times in four minutes. The door is made of glass, so again, he can see through. Sometimes, I would walk out from my living room, and I would just see Eric standing there at my door staring at me. It was the most unsettling thing. At this point, I told staff multiple times, but they said they couldn't really do anything and that he is harmless. Right. At one point though, Eric is gone and I'm relieved to finally being comfortable with having my blinds up and walking around my own apartment. So probably a year into moving there, maybe less, I get really depressed. It wasn't the best place to live and I never felt so lonely in my life. I ended up attempting suicide and they put me in a mental hospital for a couple days so I could be watched. Well, guess who's there too? Fucking Eric. He notices me right away, and every time a nurse tries to walk into my room, he stands by the door staring at me. I have to keep telling him to go away. One time, I had to wash my clothes with one of the nurses, and he followed us, yelling so everyone could hear, Hey, that girl lives where I live. Hi, Michelle. Her name is Michelle. And being the type of person that hates attention, I just start walking faster until the nurses can get a hold of him. So at this point, I'm actually in an okay mental state. Still not the best place to live, with neglect of staff and with shitty people around me. Eric is back too at one point, 
And honestly, I haven't been outside because I'm afraid to run into him. His apartment isn't even on my side, so it makes no sense why he's around all the time. I've noticed it's been quiet for a while, so I decided it's safe to go down to the basement with my laundry. I turned the corner and boom, almost bumped into him. I kind of freaked out, but I remember that he's still a person and politely give him a smile and say, Hi. He doesn't say anything. He just stares. I then walk past him on my way to the basement. I look back and this motherfucker is following me now. He actually turned around to follow me. I started walking faster and thank god I already have my key for the basement ready. I open the door and shut it quickly so I know it's locked. I walk into the laundry room with my laundry and then I hear the door open. I froze. Was he going to kill me? I mean I didn't even know the guy or what he was capable of. Three minutes go by and I finally get the courage to peek out of the room. The door is open but he's nowhere to be seen. It seems like he is gone. It scared the lifeless crap out of me, so I hurried and put my clothes in the washing machine and hurried back up to my apartment. Again, I speak to the staff and this one guy is actually really helpful. He is the first one to take me serious and says they need to fix it. I know that they talked to him about it and also about standing next to my window, but do you think he listened? To describe Eric, I would say I couldn't tell if he was skinny or chubby because he was always wearing a big green jacket. He had glasses and hunched over sort of and had long dark greasy hair. So he was basically nightmare fuel for any girl. Okay I know I sounded like an asshole but I'm a very teeny girl so I knew if he tried anything I wouldn't stand a chance. So now it's Norm again to see him at my window. Although when staff tells him to stop he just laughs very childlike. He thought it was funny. It annoyed the shit out of me and I went from being scared to being super angry. I knew he had issues but damn I had issues too and he wasn't helping me with my anxiety. He was making it much worse. I told the staff that if he ever tried anything I would beat the living shit out of him. Aggressive I know. I was short yes but I was angry too. They told me that that wasn't allowed and I reminded them that looking through my window and following me around wasn't allowed either. They agreed, but told me again that there was nothing they could do. I seriously considered calling the police at this point. The last thing he did that made me really angry was he walked past my door and window many times, as always, but then I realized he was gone. I sighed in relief, but I still had the feeling of being watched. My eye caught movement outside, and this fucking dude was hiding behind a tree outside my apartment watching me. When he saw me, he grinned and moved closer. I walked into the living room, not wanting to deal with this shit, and called my boyfriend. My boyfriend stayed at my apartment pretty much every day from then on, and he stopped for a while. I think he even asked the staff if that was my boyfriend, and they told him it was. He still walked past my door sometimes, but not as often and not as creepily. Thankfully, we moved out about a year later. And I haven't seen him since, but it made me feel very cautious and very dependent on my boyfriend. I know he probably didn't have any bad intentions, but it really fucked up my mental state and it really scared me. I worked at a hardware store when I was in high school. 
We had a number of fairly regular customers, but there was this one man in his mid-30s that became a regular after I checked his items one night. I noticed I kept seeing him on my shift, and he would continually try to strike up awkward conversations with me, hold up the line until I had told him I had to take care of other customers. Our registers are right in front of the large glass window, so anyone walking outside could see who was working. He eventually started to wait outside of the window and tap on the glass to get my attention after leaving. I rode my bike to work and getting off late at night started to terrify me. One night when I was working alone, he asked if he could have my number and if I was 18. When I told him that I wasn't, he asked for my birthday, to which I replied some random date in the distant future. I told my boss about this interaction and from then on, she made sure I never worked alone and she would follow his ass anytime he entered the store, to the point where he stopped coming in. The day of my fake birthday, or close to it, I can't remember the exact date I gave him. He came knocking on the glass again. It was busy and my boss wasn't around, so I tried to ignore him. I eventually noticed the knocking had stopped, and I could only assume that he had made his way into the store. Very soon after, I am greeted by his face in front of my register, he hands me a plastic grocery bag and says, Happy 18th birthday. I am so embarrassed, so I take the bag and tell him to please leave. When my friend and I opened the bag after work, it contained two packages of fireworks and nothing else. For some reason, my sister had plenty of stalkers, most just students from her school, so I wasn't really surprised when the sky was exposed. So I was walking my little sister to school, and we were talking. I had already graduated, and I was moving soon, so we were catching up. We enter an office in my sister's school, where you have to write down your name and get a visitor badge. I don't know of any other schools that does this. I walk in and I see a 20 to 30 year old man stare at us the entire time we were there. I thought it was creepy, but I didn't care so, I just ignored him. My sister went to class and I was walking out of the office and the guy taps me on the shoulder. He asks me who I am and who I am to the girl. I tell him it's my sister and he lets me walk out. But the whole time I'm going to my car, I get a feeling that this guy's watching me. He had a visitor badge on too. So when my sister gets home from school, I ask her about him and she just shrugs and says, yeah, I've noticed him for the past weeks. I asked her how many and she replied with maybe two months. Now I'm worried and I asked her if anything was off lately or something because she had been stalked twice before, cyber stalked, and I'm an overprotective brother. She tells me not to worry and we both shrug it off and she asked if we could play Minecraft. I said yes and we were off. We built a nice house and went mining. That was when I got a weird feeling again, like eyes were on me. I ignored it and thought it was just being in a cave with 20 diamonds, so a good mine. I still got that feeling. My mom and dad were asleep and I didn't want to wake them up, so I got up and told my sister to keep playing. I peeked out the windows and saw nothing, but when I turned around to go back to playing, I saw a shadow in the window with a camera. I walked back and put in a text message, don't react, but you're being stalked and said loudly, I'm gonna get some snacks. 
So I walked into the kitchen and called the police and I was freaking out. I told them everything and soon the guy was caught. Guess who it was? Mr. Creepy School Guy. My sister was horrified and I told her not to worry and this probably won't happen often. What I later learned about this guy is that he had pictures of her in the park, in the school, in her bedroom. This guy was crazy. So I've been living in a foreign country for a year already. The last month, I've been taking the ferry to move because the metro is usually crowded, stressful, and in COVID times, it's a nope for me. So ferry is the best option. At least, this was my thought until last week. On Monday, a random guy, probably 30 to 35, sat next to me on the ferry and tried to talk to me. I'm not good with the language yet, so I let him understand that I didn't know what he was saying. He kept talking and showed me his phone. He had just taken a picture of me. I asked him to delete it, but he didn't understand. So I just ignored him to make him stop. It was irrelevant at the moment. On Tuesday, I noticed this guy on the ferry again, but this time he greeted me and called me by my name, which of course surprised me since I didn't know him. He sat next to me and kept talking nonstop, but this time he tried to hug me. For my luck, a woman noticed and sat between him and I, pretending to be my friend. On Wednesday, I used the metro instead of the ferry, so it was normal. On Thursday, I took the ferry and this guy was there again. This time, he sat far away. When the ferry reached the other side, I noticed the guy followed me, so I changed my route and went to a bus stop, which is next to the ferry port. As it was late at night, there wasn't much people around. I was scared, so I sat in the bus stop, and there was a couple waiting in there, so I felt safe. But the stalker came and sat next to me, and suddenly held my arm while saying, Come, come, come and trying to take me with him. At this moment, I just held my arm tight and asked for help. The couple next to me called the police and I did report it. I mentioned that on Monday he was taking pictures of me, that he might have been doing this with other girls. The police asked him for his phone and to my surprise, he handed it to them with no problems, like he was sure nothing was gonna happen. When the police checked his phone, they found pictures of me, but not just from Monday, this guy had been taking pictures of me for months, not just on the ferry, but also in the parking site. Besides my pictures, they found pics of a different girl, which I believe he had been following for months as well. The worst thing about this whole situation is that I filed a police report, but they couldn't really do anything since this guy hasn't hurt me. So right now I'm looking for a new place to move. Anyway, be careful. These creeps can be anywhere. I'm a female. A few years ago when I was about 19, I got a job at a hot dog shop with a phallic pun for her name in somewhat of a shady area. The shop was pretty well known and had some fantastical dark local lore. Rumors that the hot dogs were made of horse meat, that the whole operation was a front for something less savory, or that it had been closed by a health inspector and reopened illegally, but people kept coming back for our delicious hot dogs. I soon discovered that none of that was remotely true, but it was fun to gossip. 
We'd often give our customers ambiguous answers to fuel their wide-eyed and morbid curiosities. I got used to the quirky customers that would come in pretty quickly. Some older gentlemen rumored to be involved with organized crime or an occasional nightclub owner, tourists, and many homeless and mentally ill people who we would often provide food to. The community was diverse and sometimes dangerous, but people looked after each other. One shift in the early hours of the morning, I was working the register when a man comes in. He has long dark hair and thick stubble, covering most of his lower half of his face. The shop is busy and he orders, steps to the side and keeps chatting with me while other people order. I was used to this. In this area, there's a lot of nightlife and you get pretty comfortable with drunk ramblings, people hitting on you through slurred speech. I felt okay as long as it was on the other side of the counter. After telling me his thoughts about the other men in the shop being posers, but before he started telling me about how beautiful I was, the man tells me that he's a chef at a nearby restaurant. Like I said, people look after each other around here, so I was reassured, but I gave him a fake name just to be safe. I started seeing him often. It wasn't uncommon to have regulars, some even on a first name basis, but when my coworkers told me that he had come looking for me, asking where I was when I wasn't there, I started to feel uneasy. Every time I saw him, he seemed more and more intoxicated than the last. He would walk in and say, hey beautiful, or hey pretty girl, so casually as though he thought it was really my name. It made me feel sick to my stomach every time. One night, around 2 a.m., I had just finished my shift. I step out onto the sidewalk and see him there, on the other side of the road, waving at me. I tried not to think about how long he might have been there, watching me through the shop's large, neon sign cluttered windows. My manager walked me to my car that night. Not long after that, it was a Saturday night, and the shop was pumping. Anyone that has ever worked in hospitality knows exactly what I'm talking about. There was a 40 minute wait for french fries. The teeny shop was crowded with people who had rolled out of the nearest bar and nightclubs, drug addled and starving. The 3 a.m. rush. A big bulky man in his mid to late 20s started getting in my face. He had ordered french fries and had been waiting for 30 minutes. I kept apologizing but this just made him more mad. I was desperately trying to plan my escape from my position against the back wall behind the counter to the front door where I could get a club bouncer's attention and have them come over to sort out this guy. There was no hope. The store was too crowded. That's when I hear a sloppy but familiar voice. Leave, leave her alone. My stalker emerges from the crowd, a mere five foot five. He fronts up against the massive man and they start fighting. Luckily, the commotion did catch the bouncer's eye, who ran in and swiftly de-escalated the situation. Shortly after that, I got a more stable job offer somewhere else and moved on. But to my hot dog shop stalker, thanks, but no thanks. I'm a female. Several years ago, I was about 19 and studying in college. During exam period, I would always go to the public library in the city center to study. They would have special places for students to study. This particular day I had went there with a classmate. 
It was the weekend and I finished studying about 2 p.m. I asked my classmate if she would mind if I left. She said no, so I packed up my stuff and left the library. As I walked out of the library, I walked straight into the city center. As I left, I felt something brush up against me. Considering that I had just walked out of a quiet library into a crowded street, I brushed it off. I proceeded to walk through city center to get to my bus stop. After about 5 minutes of walking, I couldn't shake off the feeling that something was way too close to me. So I grabbed my phone, held it up, and looked against the screen to see if someone was behind me. And that's when I saw a man, about 40, walking behind me with his eyes set on me. I felt uncomfortable because he was giving me the weird vibes. He just looked off. He was walking with a limp while staring right at me. He was wearing a scarf with a suit jacket, really old track pants, and old gym shoes. I didn't think he was homeless or a junkie, but he was just weird. But to be safe, I put my phone in my bag and put my bag over my other shoulder, away from him. That's when he walked up to me and started walking next to me. At this point, I had been walking for about 10 minutes through busy streets. He kept his eyes on me and was walking close to me, as if him and I were walking together. Once I almost made it to my bus stop, I saw my bus drive off. I didn't want to wait for another bus at that bus stop and have this man wait with me or know which bus I was taking. I decided to continue walking down to Central Station, which was about 8 minutes away. As I crossed the street, I noticed the man kept walking and didn't cross the street. I felt relieved and pulled out my phone to text my mom that some weirdo had been following me for about 15 minutes at that point. Not even a minute later, this man comes running out of the alleyway right in front of me. I almost tripped when I saw him, and he kept walking in front of me. Every 10 seconds, literally, I counted, he would abruptly turn his head and look back at me. I had even made a small Snapchat video of it. At this point, I was so nervous, but I was almost at the central station, so I just kept going. That's when he stopped, turned around, and started talking to me. I saw you at the library, he said. I didn't respond. We were together at the library, he repeated. Again, I ignored him. He didn't get the hint and kept talking. Hey, where are you going? Are you going to Central Station? I'm going there. I take the 312 bus. Which bus are you taking? At that point, I had enough. There were people walking by and nobody said anything. So I just ran to the Central Station and got on my bus. I sat behind the bus driver just in case the creep decided to run after me. I saw him looking around before getting on his bus. Once I was on the bus, I finally had a moment to think of what happened and realized that this man had been sitting there at the library watching me for hours and watching me leave and went after me. I remember feeling uneasy the whole time, but I ignored the feeling, thinking it was just my nerves before the exams that were coming up. This experience really made me uncomfortable because I had been coming to this library to study for years. Even in high school, I would study there till 9 p.m. and leave by myself in the dark. I could only imagine what would have happened if I met him then. So psycho library stalker, let's not meet again. I'm a 27-year-old female. I graduated from high school about 10 years ago. In my freshman year of high school, I was known to have a lot of friends. I was very friendly, and every time I saw someone alone, I would greet them and offer them my friendship. Sometime during the year in my math class, we had a new guy. 
We'll call him Jose. Jose had recently moved to the US from Mexico and he hardly knew any English. Me being Hispanic, I was able to speak to him in Spanish and make him feel welcomed. Jose had no friends and always sat by himself. In math class, I started helping Jose a lot. He sat behind me and he would always play with my hair. I sort of felt like he had a crush on me and he was not bad looking, so I didn't look at it as a big deal. For a few months, two or three, he played with my hair. It became a norm. Towards the end of those months, he said that he wanted to play a game and asked me to write the things I love most in my life. He would do the same and we could both share the papers. Of course, I wrote down my family, God, friends, and a whole bunch of other things. When I gave him back the list, he wanted specific names and he said he would do the same. I ended up writing my friends and family's names. One day, we were just hanging out in class and Jose said, Can I show you something? But you can't tell anyone, or else you're going to pay for it. I was so confused and thought maybe he was going to ask me out. Jose pulled out a Ziploc bag, and I couldn't really tell what was in the bag. It wasn't until he placed it on the table that I noticed it was a Ziploc bag full of hair. My hair. Jose pulled up his sleeve to show me his arms. He had about 10 heels from knife scars, lines that he made with a blade that went down his arm. There was a fresh knife wound, and he grabbed my hairs and placed them on top of the freshly opened wound from the night before and said, You are mine now. I know who you love, what you love. If you don't do as I say, you will pay for everything, anything and everything that happens from now on. Think of me. My heart sank. He started smirking. I ran out of class crying. I ran to the office. Everyone was so confused. I asked to speak to the counselor immediately. I explained to her what had happened. Jose was pulled out of class, taken to the principal's office, and was expelled that day. I feared for my life. They found all these notes of other people in his backpack. Mine was there as well. They saw the scars and found my hair. I never heard of Jose again. I've had some pretty fucked up shit happen in my life after that, and I always think of Jose. I haven't talked about this in years, and I'm afraid that if I mention this, he will hear me, and bad is to follow. After that, I got so close to God, closer than ever. Until this day, I don't know if Jose was just messing with me, but I will tell you that after that encounter, I am no longer that super friendly and open-hearted person I once was. Back in high school, I went on an overnight trip for my art class. Before we had left for the trip, the teachers had assigned us our rooms with three other people to share with in a hotel that we were staying at. I lucked out and only had to share it with one other girl, who I didn't know very well. Let's call her Anna. Anna was the type of girl who never really talked in class, but when she did, it was always a weird comment under her breath. She always came to school wearing the same thing, a My Little Pony shirt and pajama pants. To be honest, I've never really seen her in any other outfit. Anyways, on the day of the trip, when we first checked into our hotel, before going out to dinner, we hung out in our room for a while. I tried to make a bit of a friendly conversation with her, but she didn't seem to respond much. But I did hear her talking to herself for a few minutes after our initial conversation. I couldn't make out what she was saying though. Later that day, I was in a group with Anna and two other students from my class. 
After visiting the first art installation, we headed our way to the next one. As we were walking down the sidewalk having a casual conversation, Anna turns to me and says, If you get ran over by a car right now, I would laugh my head off. And then all went silent. I had no idea how to respond to this, so I just brushed it off with a laugh, as if it never happened. A few hours had passed and we had stopped because one of the students in our group had saw a friend that he knew and decided to talk with them. As Anna and I waited on the side as they talked, she seemed really angry. She was pacing and sighing intentionally loud as if she was in a rush or something. She looked at me with the creepiest glare and said, I wish I could just throw myself off this balcony. Maybe then we would get somewhere and continued to pace around. At this point, I was very uncomfortable about being around her, so I tried to stick near the others for the rest of the time we spent out. Nearing the end of our trip, the two other students in the group decided to branch off and go to another exhibit while Anna and I met back at the hotel. We both got back on the bus and I sat near the back and she followed me. I was hoping to have a little bit of space, but she decided to sit right next to me. A few minutes passed and I noticed she looked at me for a good while without saying anything until she suddenly whispered to me, I really need to tell you a secret, but I want to wait until we get back to our room. At this point, I nodded and scooted away from her a little, towards the next seat, dreading when we got back to the hotel. When we got into our room, I headed straight to the bathroom to avoid talking to her, but she stopped me at the door, putting her arms out so I couldn't pass her. I want to tell you what I was going to say on the bus, she whispered to me. I felt a bad feeling in my stomach and awaited her next line. She leaned in closer and said, Well, when we were on the bus, I wanted to tell you that my nipples were tingling a lot. It wouldn't stop, and it's still happening now. After she said that, I pushed past her into the bathroom and locked the door behind me. I was super freaked out and disturbed by her, so I hid in there for 30 minutes until she went to sleep. When I went to bed, I put a wall of pillows so she couldn't see me, and to be honest, I was up for a while shaking and wanting to leave the room. The next day when it was time to go home, I avoided her as much as possible, and thank god I never really saw much of her after that. Okay, so buckle up because this is gonna get weird. This isn't something unknown amongst my friends and the people local to me, as I live in quite a small town. So, in ninth grade, I would have had to been around 13 or 14. I had no friends. I was, and still am kind of weird, and it threw people off. Making friends in high school was difficult for me, because I refused to change who I am just to fit in. During the second week of school, I met George in my English class. Our teacher had sat us together, so we began talking and building a friendship. George was very nice, and we had a lot in common. He had came from a different elementary school, it was odd because the people from his elementary commonly went to a different high school, although he insisted that he wanted to go to this high school because there were certain classes he wanted to take that the other school didn't offer. After about a week of talking together during English, he asked if I wanted to eat lunch with him. We had the same lunch period, and he said how he noticed how often I sat alone. I thought it was a nice gesture, so I agreed. We ended up having lunch together for a while. But then, I started making some new friends. I always invited him to eat lunch with a few of the friends I had made, but he always declined. Then one day in English class, he passed me a note. 
This was very strange since we were sitting right next to each other. The note said something like, I need to talk to you. Can we please sit alone together for lunch? I wrote back that I would sit with him, and we hardly spoke for the rest of the period. I got a really strange vibe from him. So at lunchtime, I see him sitting at the end of the row. Our cafeteria consisted of a large harvest tables and benches. It was not separate chairs and tables like you see in restaurants, but rather a long, long table with benches on either side. I go to sit down and he says, No, let's go outside to talk. So I agree. He looked generally upset and I wanted to know what was going on. When we got outside, he led me over to sit on the curb in front of the school and started talking very aggressively. He told me that it was unfair of me to make other friends when he was the one who befriended me first. He told me I had to eat lunch with him because when I was alone, he ate lunch with me. So now that he was alone, I was obligated to eat with him. It was a very bizarre conversation. I explained that he could sit with me and my friends and that there wouldn't be any issues and that he could make some new friends. I told him I had enough friendship to spread around and that he had nothing to be upset about. What he said next completely shocked me. I could see the anger in his eyes. He grabbed my arm and said, I don't think you understand. You owe me this. You will sit with me. I got completely freaked out at that point and told him we could sit alone together every other day. I just wanted to get away from him and go back inside where more people were around. After that day, I started getting weird messages to my email. I never forgot the first email I was sent. It said, All women are Satan. The devil lives in you all. I didn't recognize the address and assumed it was just an internet troll trying to scare me. Then they started coming more frequently, all with the same message. Women are the devil. Satan lives in all women. I started getting scared, so I showed my friends these emails. They agreed it was weird, but also agreed that it was probably a random person trying to scare people. But my one friend Stacy told me that she thought it was George. She told me that she heard stories about why he came to our school instead of the high school that his 8th grade graduating class was going to. She told me that he was so obsessed with one of the girls in the class that her mom actually got a restraining order against him over that summer. I told her it sounded insane and I didn't believe it. I was still having lunch with George on alternate days and we were still friendly during English class, but I really wanted to distance myself from him. After Christmas break, our schedules changed for the second semester. I was honestly very happy about this because I knew I'd have a different lunch period than George and we wouldn't have English together anymore. I could slowly disassociate myself from him, but I was wrong. He started leaving me notes in my locker, confessing his undying love and explaining that we were meant to take the world over together, which at the time I thought was a very nice thing for him to say, but the feelings were not mutual. Eventually, I had to tell him that enough was enough. I explained that he was overwhelming me and that I needed a little space for my friendship. He seemed to understand. He didn't get upset or yell. He just agreed to give me space, which lasted about two days before the emails started getting worse. He started threatening my life, telling me that he knew where I lived and went to school. I went straight to my mom when this started happening. I know I should have done it sooner. My mom called the police and the police informed the school. The school was able to look up the emails and their records and found out that it was George sending the nasty emails all along.
George was suspended and wouldn't even look at me anymore. I was honestly relieved. One year later, after we graduated high school, George and his mother went for a drive. While she was driving, he stabbed her over a hundred times. He had a psychotic break. When police found him, he tried saying it was a car accident, but when they questioned him about the stab wounds, he admitted to killing her and trying to release the devil from his mother's soul. He pled insanity over the murder of his mother. He was eventually found not criminally responsible for her murder. So lately, I've been talking to my friend about stuff, and we've been realizing how weird our school was. One story I have is perfect for the subreddit. So, I was in my first or second year of high school. Our school was mainly populated by kids from tough backgrounds, poverty, homelessness, neglect of parents. So, about once a quarter, our school would do something called potlatch, where teachers and students could essentially donate things that any of the students could grab and take home, be it clothes, bedding, books, little knickknacks, whatever. What you need to know for this story though is how everyone got super hyped for the potlatch and would fill the main hall to see what there was, even if they weren't planning on taking anything. Our school also liked to invite representatives from different companies and organizations to hand out different flyers for whatever they worked for. Since a lot of kids were looking for opportunities to make money to either support themselves or their families. During one potlatch, this one guy, he was super nice was handing out flyers for a gig that was too good to be true. The thing is, as I know now, something that's too good to be true usually is. Basically, they said they get to fly out to Seattle to live in the apartment that they owned, rent free, and all you had to do was be a door-to-door salesman for them, and they would pay you like $15 an hour. Some of you reading this probably already noticed the red flags, but we were dumb teenagers, and like, the school invited them, we figured that the school wouldn't bring in something sketchy like that. I had just quit my job, and so this offer seemed awesome for the summer or something. However, almost immediately in the next period, we got an announcement basically telling us to throw away any flyers and not to, under any circumstances, call them. For those who didn't notice the red flags earlier, these guys were using common sex trafficking tactics. Basically, they offer a job that seems amazing, and if you bite, Instead of sending you where they said they were, they would kidnap you and sell you. After doing minimal research, I found that the company that they were fronting was already a known sex trafficking front, and our school just invited them into the space with gullible teenagers. When I was 8 years old, I would walk a half a mile to school every day. Several times on my walk, a man would approach me and tell me how much God loved me and would ask me about taking Jesus into my heart. The guy gave me the creeps, but I was always polite since he was a grown-up. One day, he asked me for a hug, and that was it for me. I ran home and told my mom about the guy. Needless to say, I was driven to school after that. A few months later, a girl at my school was molested by that guy. He was a minister at her church. I went to a Catholic school in the 2000s and we had this gym teacher named Coach Ricky. 
Now thinking back on everything, there were some giant red flags with this guy, but as a kid you don't notice these things. First red flag, he would keep the boys and girls separated. All the other gym teachers never did that. Second red flag, he would pay more attention to the girls and practically ignore the guys. He would also get very angry if he saw one of the girls talking to one of the boys and that was the only time he would ever actually acknowledge the boys. He would also be adamant that the girls had to be exercising. Meanwhile, the boys could just sit around doing literally nothing. But if one of the girls was to sit down, even for a second, he would get really angry. I remember when I was diagnosed with a heart murmur and the doctor told me I couldn't exercise because of it. And when I told him that, he seemed irrationally irritated that I couldn't exercise anymore. So we left for Thanksgiving break and come back and the guy is just gone and when you would ask about him, they would act like they didn't know who you were talking about. So I asked my favorite teacher about it and she finally told me what happened. He apparently got caught watching the girls undress in the changing room and there's a rumor that he had tons of videos on it on his phone. My teacher didn't even know the whole story because my school kept it from the teachers and they didn't know whether or not the police were called because you never saw anything in the newspaper. I live in a small town so that would have definitely been a scandal. To this day I kind of wonder if he ever got anything of me. It makes my skin crawl thinking about it. I hope that bastard is in jail for what he did. So my sister, who was 14 at the time, was walking home from our local primary school with our German Shepherd. She starts noticing a black car doing laps, but assumes it's just a parent. She then, after a while, notices a man getting out of the car and getting into a white SUV and driving up the road closest to the side of the oval where she was. My sister starts getting a little creeped out, but walked around the other side and didn't think much of it still thinking it's apparent. Maybe about 15 minutes of the cars doing laps, she realizes that the two cars are parked on the two easiest streets to leave. My sister didn't bring her phone with her, and at this point, she was crying because there's two older men following her around to school, and she can't contact anyone. She luckily finds a teacher and manages to contact my parents, who come to pick her up. As soon as my parents get there, the two cars take off speeding in opposite directions before any number plates could be recorded. I hate to think what could have happened if she didn't have her dog with her and didn't notice. When I was in high school, a friend of mine would walk to my house in the morning and walk to school with me. After school, we would wait for each other to finish our after-school activities and then walk home together. One day in our sophomore year, he had to get home as soon as he could because he had to babysit his sister. My house was only a few blocks away, so I told him no problem. It was the first time he didn't walk with me all the way to my house. I noticed an SUV while him and I were saying goodbye because they slowed down while driving. My first thought was to go to his house until his mom got home. I shook off the feeling and decided that he slowed down because we were next to a park. I walked down the road by myself and the SUV drove by again, slowing down a lot. I bolted down a dirt road into a place with construction workers building a house. The SUV turned around and began slowly driving on the dirt road. 
The construction worker closest to me could have passed off as my dad. I told him what was up and he took me inside the house. He took out a notebook and jotted down the license plate number as the man slowly drove by, staring into the house. The construction worker walked me home after a half hour or so and he called the police to report it. Never told my mom, only ever told my friend about it. He didn't let me walk the rest of the way home alone again for the rest of our walking days. I never brush off my gut feelings anymore. I was about 8 years old and at the exit of my school, all the kids wait for their parents. I was waiting for my babysitter who would always pick me up about 5.30pm. I was a bit confused as my babysitter wasn't there. She was never late. But I did not panic, just kept patiently waiting. Suddenly, a woman in her 40s, long curly brown hair, with a disturbing smile expression, came up from a group of parents and said to me, Your mother sent me to pick you up. She clearly saw my confused face and thought I was an easy catch. I had never seen her in my life, and if such thing happened that she was picking me up, my mother would have let me know. All those thoughts passed through an 8 year old's head in a few seconds. I responded, moving my head to the side in denial. She never stopped staring at me with that psycho expression and repeated the same thing. This time, slightly approaching me, ready to take my arm. Looking over her shoulder and other parents in the entrance, I noticed a black van parked, which I'd never seen before. I was always well aware of the cars that parked there because once I saw a Lambo and we were all waiting to see it again. At that age, I already realized that her tensions were not good and that the situation was way too strange. I didn't move an inch and said, no, again in a calm voice. The woman knew that she wouldn't be successful in her try. She knew that she couldn't take me by force because of all the other parents and some teachers were around. She didn't say another word. She took her eyes off of me and just stood there, looking for another child. A few minutes later, my babysitter arrived and I told her. She was very surprised and pissed, but she didn't alert the school. At the time, I just thought about going home, but now, 16 years later, I think we should have told the school. I was aware of kids being kidnapped in my neighborhood, so I knew this could happen. I will never forget how that woman looked, and I hope that nothing ever happened to any of the kids at that school. Okay, let me start by saying that this is the first of many stories I'll submit here. I've been listening to scary stories on YouTube for about 7 years now. I've always wanted to submit a story, but I'm a busy mother of 4 and just never found the time to. But it's midnight right now, and I'm the only one awake. I have some free time now, so I have a story I would like to share. All my life, I have seemingly attracted the paranormal. When I was a teenager, things started to escalate. At one point, my mother took me to see a therapist because she believed that I was either crazy or desperately seeking attention. But the truth was, I meant every word of everything I said. I have always been the sort of person that will try to find a logical explanation for things. Sometimes there's simply no logic to explain. It is what it is. Anyway, moving along. 
I am a 37-year-old female, and I live in a very small town in Kansas. A few winters ago, I was working in town about two hours away from home. I would stay with my friends in the city as I worked for three or four days at a time, and then I would go home for the same amount of time, back and forth, back and forth. It was dreadful, but I digress. One night, I got home very late. I have two daughters that are nine years apart. The three of us stayed up to do our nails. I told my youngest that since they were on Christmas vacation from school, I would let her stay up late to see the snowfall. It was supposed to start snowing around 2am, and it did, more or less right on time. When I was a child, it snowed every year in December, but as the years have gone by, it seems to happen less and less. Since she was only six years old, she had seen very little snowfall in her time. I let her stay up until about 2.15, and then I said, Okay, kiddo, it's way past the bedtime for babies. And I put her in bed. My oldest daughter and I stayed up and finished doing our acrylic nails. When we were popping our old nails off, we had to use a steak knife. Yes, I know, that wasn't a very good idea. We were sitting there in the living room. The living room was the first room you would enter if you were coming from the front porch. From the outside looking in, there was a glass door and then a big heavy wooden door. Suddenly, around 2.30, the wooden door flew open with a bang. I immediately jumped up to my feet and grabbed the knife in front of me. I walked towards the door and then I felt confused. I couldn't figure out what happened because the glass door was still shut, but as I already said, I've experienced more than my fair share of paranormal activity throughout my life and sometimes I can't find an explanation. I just let it go and carry on. Around 3am I decided to step out to the front porch and have a cigarette. I was just looking out over the road and the yards taking in the dead silence of winter. I wasn't really thinking about anything, just looking at the snow. And that's when it dawned on me that what I was looking at didn't make any sense. From my front walk to the road, there's about five yards of grass. Every bit of snow is pristine, every bit of it, except one thing. The footprints begin in the middle of the sidewalk, bare feet footprints. They walked to my front door, but I'm not sure how they left. How was that? There are no footprints leading to my yard. It was as if someone was dropped from the sky or stepped out of another realm into mine, right in the middle of my yard. I mean, those footprints came out of nowhere. They began in the middle of my damn yard and walked to my door. And even if it was just a person walking around there, what were they doing barefoot in 16 degree weather outside in the snow and 3 a.m. no less? What the bloody hell? I snapped some pictures on my phone, but I had a pretty cracked phone back then. And honestly, I'm not even sure what happened to those pictures. However, my mother had just given me her old iPhone a few months ago. I was scrolling through all the pictures on that phone this morning and saw the picture that my mother had taken was still on the phone. The morning after that incident, I had called my mother and had my mother come over to take a look at them. The unfortunate part of this, my pictures at 3am were more convincing. By the time she got there, a few hours had passed. The cat walked past and left their prints. My mom's footprints were there as well. I absolutely insist that every bit of this is true. In the picture, you can see the snow behind the prints where it's just blank. They start right there 
And as you can see, some of them are facing different directions, but they are barefoot and strange. Some of them really look human, and some of them look too wide at the front of the foot to be human. I have no idea what to make of this. So this happened a couple years ago. My sister and I were hanging around a town that was known as a hotspot for sex trafficking. It was around 11pm and we decided to walk to McDonald's as it was only across the highway from our motel. We get inside, order, and find a seat. A few minutes later we noticed two Hispanic men acting very sketchy. They were both staring at us while communicating back and forth in Spanish. We noticed that they were taking pictures of us, several pictures. When we were called up to get our food, we told the worker, Hey, these men are making us very uncomfortable. We don't want to get the police involved just yet, so can you just keep an eye out for us? Of course, that was not a problem, and they offered to let us hang out in the back. We decided against it and sat back down to eat. Mind you, we were there for 30 minutes at that point, and they had only had a cup of coffee each and an apple pie. I was starting to get suspicious, so I decided to step right outside the door to smoke a cigarette and to see if they would get up to follow. Well, they did, but at that point, a worker walked out and the two men passed me to the red truck. Keep that in mind, it's important. I walked back in and sat down. Ten minutes later, here comes that red truck circling around the parking lot, along with a few other cars that were not waiting for food. They weren't even in the drive-thru, just circling the parking lot waiting for us to come out. These same four vehicles, including the red truck, would not leave. They kept driving around and would drive down the side of the road and come back circling the parking lot. This kept up for four hours. We then see two Chevy Blazers on the side of the road with their teardrop campers attached to them, and they drive by multiple times. They were really waiting for the moment to snatch us up. Eventually, a worker walked us across the highway to our motel. Sex trafficking is real. Please be careful out there. Your life is worth so much more. I grew up in a small town in my country. I lived with my parents, big brother, and our maid. By the time I was around 7, my brother was 12. At night, I usually shared the bed with a maid. It might sound weird, but the maid had been there since I was a baby, so my parents trusted her and decided to let her move in with us since her home was too far away from our house to come and go every day. My brother had his own bedroom, but this particular night he slept in my parents' bedroom since he and my dad went to sleep late watching movies and television in their bedroom. I wasn't a fan of the movies, so I went to sleep early. Late that night on that day, everyone was fast asleep I guess. Something unusual woke me up. A slow tickle terrorized my feet from the edge of the bed. I tried to ignore it, but the tickling just kept increasing. And it wasn't funny. It was weird and scary. I lost it and sat up, only to have the worst reality nightmare ever. A black figure stood in the doorway facing me, but I couldn't see the face or anything, except for the fact that I could see a black silhouette. I couldn't scream, neither could I cry. I only laid back on my pillow and tried to force myself to sleep. Like I said, I slept with a maid, and at that moment she was fast asleep. For some unknown reason, I couldn't wake her up. I guess I never tried to. I never dared to look again, and after some minutes, the tickling began, 
and I couldn't take it anymore. I raised my feet up closer to my stomach and woke her up and asked her if she could take me to my parents' room. For some reason, I wasn't willing to tell her about the figure standing motionless by the open doorway. After a few seconds of struggling, I finally succeeded in waking her up. I quietly whispered and asked her to take me to my parents' room. She scolded me a bit for disturbing her sleep, but I didn't care at all. I just wanted to leave. Now my focus was fixed on the figure who never seemed to move. It just stood there. That was super scary. My maid picked me up and walked towards the door. I don't think she could see the person. My heart was pounding hard. I was so scared of coming closer to this horrific being. When we got closer, I tried to get a closer look at this figure. Albeit I was scared, but I just wanted to know. I don't know. I mean, I was only seven. As close as we were, I never saw the figure's face. Was it because the lights were off? I don't know, but it gave me goosebumps not being able to see this figure. We walked down the hallway and I looked, but no one was following us. I wondered what the figure did afterwards. A sigh of relief escaped my mouth as we entered my parents' room. My brother was fast asleep on the carpet and my parents are on the bed. We woke them up and I explained the whole story to them, but they didn't believe me. They just prayed with me and let me sleep with them in the bed, and then the maid went back to the room. I tried to convince her to stay, telling her that the figure would tickle my feet, but she never listened. The next day, I told my brother, and he just laughed at it and announced that he was pulling a prank on me, but deep down, both of us knew it wasn't him. Though it only happened that night, it still scares me. Two days ago, I discussed it with my grandmother, and she seemed to care. She told me that if the maid couldn't see it, it only means that the figure was a demon or a witch. That made me even more scared. The image of that figure that night will always haunt me. I was seven years old, living in an apartment building on the fourth floor. The time of the year was winter, and it was always windy and rainy where I lived. I remember telling my parents how scared I was, and them telling me that it was just the wind. So one night, I heard extra howling, and for some reason I decided it was a good idea to look out my window. I figured that if I didn't look now, I would never look. So I walked slowly to the window, my heart pounding and beating so fast. Remember, I am 7 years old, so doing something like this, I felt so brave. I looked straight out the window and saw trees moving back and forth in the wind, and thought that everything seemed normal enough. Then I looked down and I didn't know what regret was at that time, but I have regretted it ever since. I swear I saw someone climbing up the side of my building. The thing looked like a human version of Waldo, and it was yelling as the wind noises and staring right at me, almost as if it was looking right into my soul. I quickly shut my curtains, and I've never looked out that window at night ever again. So I started listening to stories at night to help me sleep and drown out the noises. Ever since, I have not been able to pick up a worse Waldo book. I find in my older age, when the wind blows at night, I feel a sort of comfort, almost as though I'm finding an old friend again. Now when the wind is blowing so hard, you may want to think twice before you look out your window. Anyone else have an experience like this?
I'm just going to start by saying that I'm not a skeptic by any means and I've always had an interest in supernatural and cryptids. I had my first real encounter when I was 8, but that's a story for another time. This happened about 30 minutes ago and I'm not writing this so it's fresh in my mind. I encountered whatever this was on January 6, 2021. This pandemic has been really hard for me as I can't see my friends outside of online classes and I'm a social butterfly and extremely extroverted. It was around 7.30, 7.45, and it's winter, so it's already really dark when I had my encounter. I was just relaxing outside in my aunt and uncle's hot tub. They have a cabin up in Mount Hood in Oregon, with about one road that passes by the grounds. Tall, medium, and small evergreen pines scattered around the landscape, with white snow on the ground from a fresh afternoon snowfall earlier in the day. I was sitting in the warm water and occasionally whistling into the dark since I enjoyed listening to the echo. I was occasionally whistling out into the darkness and just laying in the tub. I had eventually realized that I heard nothing except a light drizzle on the roof from the cold mountain rain. No birds, no other animals, no people except for my family. I whistled again and heard what sounded like a reply about a second or two later. I made the horror movie mistake by whistling again and got another reply. I got increasingly nervous, almost with a newfound paranoia, and began looking around. My thoughts weren't fully on the darkness of the forest. I was just thinking about teenage stuff, mostly my girlfriend, now my ex, and overall missing her. The thing that snapped me out was another whistle. I glanced around the forested expanse and noticed something I hadn't noticed before. A set of yellow eyes staring at me from the woods several feet off the ground. It seemed so unreal, as the only other experience I had like this was when I saw a Sasquatch with my older brother back in 2003 in Gaston. The eyes disappeared and I didn't see them again. I somehow had the courage to go back inside about 10 minutes after when the smart side of my brain said, Dude, get in the cabin now. I realized that I didn't hear whatever it was leave. I got out of the hot tub immediately and went into the cabin and came into the room that I'm staying in to write this. Through some research on Wikipedia and other sources, I realized I may have just avoided becoming a meal of a Wendigo. I doubt it may have been one, but if it was, I would have just told it that I was too sweet and it probably wanted something saltier. But I think whatever it was decided it wasn't worth their time because my family was inside and the cabin had a large window so they would have seen if it came up or anything. I don't know what to think since when I told my aunt I felt uncomfortable being out there alone. They just thought I was uncomfortable since no one else was outside. So if you're out past dark in the northern Cascade mountain range, stay sharp and bring a buddy. Update, January 7th, 2021. I heard it again today towards dusk when I was sledding with my cousins. I brought my cousin back to the cabin because we were getting cold, plus it was quite like the previous night and my fight or flight response was slowly kicking in. I felt like my cousin and I were being watched. After we got back into the cabin, I went back out sledding like I didn't know of its presence, but I knew it was out there, watching me. That's when I heard a strange howl that sounded like a mix of an elk call and a yawn of a black bear. I said, screw this. I'm going back, and I began sprinting as fast as I could through about a foot of snow back to the cabin. 
When I was inside, I nearly broke down crying in the garage from absolute fear. I'm planning on trying to hunt it when I'm 18. After all, my family vacations there and I don't want something bad like that around my family. This morning, I was in my bathroom. The window overlooks my backyard and I had the window open. I kept hearing someone outside call my dog's name. They kept saying, Mountie calling out as if to get him to go inside. When I listened closer, the voice sounded exactly like mine. Same tone, same deepness. It sounded as if it was coming from my own backyard or perhaps a neighboring yard. I looked outside and saw nothing. No movement, no person, no dogs. I got a chill and after a minute the calling stopped. I figured maybe it was my mother, although the voice sounded identical to mine. When something scary happens, you try to rationalize it, you know? So I made my way downstairs and past my mother's room, where she was still getting ready for the day. I asked her if she had left the dogs outside. She told me that she hadn't been downstairs yet. When I went downstairs, Monty and my sister's dog, Ruby, were both laying on the sofa, exactly where I had left them when I went up to use the bathroom. I know it sounds insane, I do, but I also know what I heard. I heard my own voice calling out to my dog as if to try to get him inside, which is a regular occurrence. I don't know if this is paranormal or a glitch in the matrix or something else, but I'm still rattled about it. Today I went to show a home that was built in 1903. It was in a mill community that was very run down and in poor condition. I took the clients and we looked around. I didn't feel any strange feelings throughout the house until I got to the door that led to the upstairs. First of all, the door had a bolt on the outside as if you were locking someone inside. Strange I thought, but I've seen stranger. I go to touch the door and this wave of nausea and sheer terror comes over me, unlike anything I've ever felt before. I take my hand off the doorknob and wrap up the showing. Wanting nothing more than to get the heck out of there. When I got back into my car, I googled the address, and sure enough, the previous owner died in the house. However, I can't imagine the old lady feeling evil and dark like this felt. I think it was something else. Moxie was about 14 years old. She was a pit mix. Sweet dog with lots of personality. On New Year's Eve 2020, she suffered a vestibular disease, which is sudden and non-progressive disturbance of balance. It's most common in old dogs. This happened while I was walking her and the other dog, Kuma, together. We were about a half block from the house when this happened. After the diagnosis on the 1st and on the 6th of January, her health deteriorated, lost about 20 pounds, and refused to relieve herself outside, even with a comfortable sling I had gotten for her to ease her walking and to ease my back. She died on February 1st, around 9 a.m., sadness all around. A week later, on the 8th, we were in the kitchen making dinner when suddenly, her distinct bark of happiness was heard down the hallway from our bedroom. One loud bark. This is something that she would do on a regular basis to get our attention so that we could help her get on the bed. We both stopped what we were doing and stared at each other. The other dog looked down the hallway also. I said, 
That was Moxie. Yeah, it was. She must have been saying hello from the afterlife. We both, along with Kuma, curiously walked to the bedroom, turned on the light, and there was nothing out of the ordinary. Just the notion that she barked at us from the afterlife. Backstory time. My grandfather was a horrible man, and he was dying of cancer. Basically, my grandfather abused his four little girls and ended up doing serious time in prison because of it. He got out early because of his cancer. My sweet grandma, despite all he had put her through, still took him in. The rest of the family were very supportive of him during his final days because he was family and they are very kind-hearted people. My grandfather died shortly after in hospice care and spoke his last words to me. Because I was six at the time, I had not yet learned of my grandfather's sins. I really looked up to him at this time, and all my cousins still tell me I was his favorite. After he passes, all the families went to their homes. Mind you, none of them lived in the same cities. I will never forget that night. We had all gotten home and were very sad. I went into my room and shut the door. I heard a faint knock on my window. I peeked through the blinds and I saw the Grim Reaper holding my grandfather's spirit by the back of the collar. I couldn't actually see my grandfather's physical form, but I just knew that's how he was being held. The Reaper looked exactly how you would imagine. His dark hood covered his face, leaving nothing but the glare of his dark reflective eyes peering out into my room. I also saw his Reaper hook, which looped over my grandfather's spirit. Mind you, I only looked out the window for maybe three seconds before screaming. The moment I screamed, all the lights in my house flickered. I left my room and my sisters and parents met me in the hall. My mom's phone immediately started blowing up and her siblings asked if the lights in her house had just flickered too. Apparently, all six of my aunt and uncles had their lights flicker in their houses at the moment I screamed. None of them had a physical experience like mine though. I told my dad that my grandpa and a bad man were outside my window. He frantically searched outside but saw no trace of anyone standing outside. I think about this experience a lot, especially after having a similar encounter after trying to communicate with my grandpa via a Ouija board. That was before I found out what kind of person he really was, but that's a whole different story. I believe I was visited for a few different reasons. I've always been in tune with otherworldly beings. My grandpa's last words were to me. I was his favorite because I was six years old. Apparently, that was the age that he would molest his girls. I believe the Reaper visited me to teach my grandfather a lesson, to show him one last reason of why he was going where he needed to go. I do wonder why he wanted me to see them though. Obviously that was a pretty traumatic experience to leave a six year old with. If anyone else has seen the Grim Reaper, please share. All my friends look at me like I'm crazy when I share this with them. When I was a child, my grandparents picked me up almost every day after kindergarten because my parents were both at work. I would always sit in the back seat on the right side. This particular day, I asked him if I could sit on the other side. My grandpa was annoyed and just told me to use my usual spot. And somehow, I insisted and my grandma finally gave in. 
On the way home, another car crashed into the right side of our car. Nothing happened to any of us. The police told my grandpa that we were lucky that no one was sitting on that right side in the back seat because most likely that person sitting there would have been badly injured or worse. My grandparents were stunned. Not only did I avoid getting hit by a car, but I also acted out of character. I'm usually an unproblematic child and arguing with them about switching seats wasn't something they expected from me.